What's happening, everybody? On today's show, big news out of LSU as quarterback Miles Brennan steps away from football, leaving the quarterback battle there down to Jaden Daniels versus Garrett Nussmeyer. We'll talk all about it with Carter Bryant. Also, we'll start our team previews going around the conference as we get into previewing the rest of the SEC. And hey, why not? If we're talking LSU, let's continue talking LSU with former LSU offensive lineman T-Bob Bear, And also the AP preseason poll is out. We'll touch on the uh, teams making the rankings. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. Remember, Locked On SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. All right, normally in our first segment, we go around the conference and check in on all the news going on around the conference and the big story of the last 24 hours coming out of Baton Rouge as LSU having an interesting issue with one of their quarterbacks that was in the quarterback battle, a lot of people thought was going to be the starter, Miles Brennan, steps away from football. So nobody better to get in than our buddy Carter Bryant, uh, host of the LSU Power Hour. He jumps in now. Carter, what's going on, man? Life is grand, Gordy. And, you know, Miles Brennan's career ends opposite that of Stetson Bennett's, right? The latter (laughs) uh, national championship winning uh, I low-key think Stetson has some very tasty Heisman odds at like plus 12,500. And I know like a lot of people were expecting Miles to go back to his early 2020 form, right? And Gordy, you, you've covered this. You and I probably did a segment on it at the time. We're doing it now. Those three games Miles had, he put up some big numbers. Was it the most flawless performances? But, you know, Miles Brennan was LSU, right with this connections throughout louisiana even though he played high school football in mississippi um this is uh i say i say i was about to say you know normally with college athletes gordy we're like this is a young man but in the terms of college football this is an older player from the less miles regime gordy you know less better than i do you you it's crazy to think that Miles Brennan was an Ed Orgeron um, recruit just in theory, but when he signed in 2017, of course, he was a Les Miles, you know, recruit, right? And it's just nuts to think that Les was recruiting him, and then, you know, he goes through this Orgeron regime. Brian Kelly calls him on the phone and says, we want you uh, to come back and compete. Miles decides to compete. And before, you know, even, you know, before we, I mean, I know we're semi-close, but before we even get to the season, Miles decides to hang it up. Yeah, it is crazy. I'll give a hat tip to uh, Charles Hanegriff. was listening to uh, his podcast, Covers LSU, and I think he said when Miles Brennan committed to LSU, uh, Peyton Manning had just announced his retirement from the NFL. Peyton Manning wow. is now enshrined in the Hall of Fame. So just to give you an idea of how long it's been since uh, Miles Brennan started his college career. But let's start here, Carter. We uh, see the statement come out from Brian Kelly on Monday afternoon saying we're grateful for, to Miles for everything he's done for LSU football. Great leader. He's made a tremendous impact on this program. And then we saw later in the afternoon Miles Brennan releases his statement to the fans 
uh, saying Tiger Nation the last few years have been uh, great, been a great run, tremendous support, and all this kind of stuff. I, I want to start here, Carter, at least from what we understand and from what we've heard. It seems like this was an absolute open competition. Brian Kelly never guaranteed Miles Brennan every, anything. He said, look, I know you're going in the transfer portal, a new coach come in, and I get it, but look, we're going to give you every opportunity to earn this job. It was a little precarious a few weeks later when we see Arizona State quarterback Jaden Daniels could have went anywhere in the country, and he chose LSU. On top of it, LSU had Garrett Nussmeyer, who played a little bit last year, and you know I know a lot of people are very high on. So three good candidates coming in, but it seems like sometime over the weekend or sometime in the last couple of days, Miles Brennan was informed he must have been third string because I got to think, even if he was second string, he still was going to stick this thing out and, and that sort of thing. But if you're third string as a six-year senior, man, it feels like you don't have much opportunity to be able to get onto the field. Yeah, and I know a lot of your listeners, Gordy, are, are golf guys and gals. Well, LSU's team went top golfing uh, the the over the past week weekend, and. Um, Miles got was with the team top golfing. So knowing how expensive that's gotten, that was actually pretty clever timing <laughs> for for Miles to get a few swings in before before he decided to leave. But yeah, look, this was one of the most fascinating careers in LSU history, right? This was a guy who, of course, got hurt and had the most unique rib injury in the history of college football. There were surgeons that said we've never seen anybody do what he did to his body. After that Missouri game and then this past offseason, you know, the off the field incident that allegedly involved, you know, a flip flop getting caught in, in, in a fishing dock is truly insane. And Miles would have played a lot and he definitely would have played over Max Johnson after Max's struggles, even if Max would have started versus UCLA. So you do feel bad for for Miles Brennan to a certain extent. And honestly, just in practices, Gordy, Nuss and Jaden Daniels, even in the public viewing and sometimes even in the, the private viewing, Miles just rarely was working with the first team. So it seems as if that there was some distance between him, Garrett Nussmeyer, and Jaden Daniels. And that's the bottom line. Sometimes these quarterback battles are tough. Now, what I will do, Gordy, is, you know, defend Brian Kelly here. And you know, you know me, Gordy. I'm a big LSU fan. Obviously, you know you do the power hour LSU thing. There, there's some things though that you have to be critical about coaches of. I I don't understand the criticisms of Brian Kelly in this certain situation because obviously the same day that Miles Brennan decides to step away from football, we see the story coming out of USF that Jerry Bohannon won the starting job and. A lot of people gave Dave Aranda a lot of credit telling Bohannon, hey, you're not going to be the guy. You should transfer and see if you can or, or think about transferring and see if you can find another place where you can start. And Dave Aranda deserves a lot of credit about that. And some people will use an equivalency here that Brian Kelly should have never recruited Miles Brennan back to the team. And that's simply not true because Brian Kelly didn't know for sure if any quarterback was going to come from the portal and join a quarterback room that featured three former four-star quarterbacks and one like Miles Brennan. The The truth is Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer just outplayed Miles, and whether or not they outplayed them, it started to show that Brian Kelly and Mike Dimbrock favored Garrett Nussmeyer and Jaden Daniels over Miles Brennan. Miles had the opportunity here. And it just didn't work out. So, you know, I, 
there will be times I will, I will criticize Brian Kelly and the coaches, but here is just not one of them. I, I just think Miles, it didn't work out, and, you know, sometimes it's just as simple as that. And we wish him the best of luck. We uh, appreciate it. He joined right. us on the show back in January and talked about his decision when he put, took his name out of the transfer portal and decided to stay at LSU and was a great guest. And I encourage anybody who missed that interview, go back and listen to it. Great kid. We wish him the best of luck in life. Turning the page, Carter, we're now down to a two-horse race. I, you know, as soon as I heard a few weeks ago that Jaden Daniels was taking some first-team snaps, I started digging deeper into the numbers. And I started to find something that, I think kind of hinted towards Jaden Daniels being the leader in the clubhouse. And here's what I found. Mike Denbrock, last four seasons at Cincinnati as the offensive coordinator, had uh, Desmond Ritter, who loves to run the football, ran the football a lot as a runner. I think six or seven games last year at Cincinnati, he had games where he had 10 rushers or more. I look back at Brian Kelly the last eight, nine years at Notre Dame. Last year, had uh, what the whatever the guy's name is, Jack, whatever. He was not a runner. But prior to that, almost every quarterback that Brian Kelly has had has been a running quarterback at Notre Dame. When you go back and you think of Ian Book for three years, you know, mobile quarterback who rushes. Brandon Wimbush, the year 2017, had 800 rushing yards and 14 rushing touchdowns. Before that, Deshaun Kaiser. Before that, Everett Golson. Seems like Brian Kelly and Mike Demprock value mobile quarterbacks. And not to say that Garrett Nussmeyer can't use his legs at times, but man, I feel like this is pointing toward a Jaden Daniels start. Where are you on the quarterback for LSU? I agree, and some of it is Garrett Nussmeyer has been dealing with a little bit of an ankle problem, so he hadn't been able to scrimmage. Um, you know, Nuss has been the best thrower of any of the quarterbacks of, 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 from from you know spring until now. And we saw that in the spring game. You saw it in the spring game, and it's just, you know, in general. Um, you know, look, you made a lot of good points about the dual-threat quarterback stuff and when you go back and look at some of the success Cincinnati had versus Alabama a lot of it was you know this misdirection RPO roll out this way had the tight end go this way and it was a threat of the run with Desmond Ritter where, where they had some success now you know for Jaden his throwing does need to get better he did deteriorate as a passer once things started to fall apart at Arizona State but this is going to be the best set of receivers he had since his true freshman year with Frank Darby and Brandon Ayuk, right? And both of those guys are still in the league. So, you know, I do think it's going to be the Jaden Daniels show versus Florida State. And I think Nuss still has an opportunity to win this job. Now, for me, Gordy, I, I look at Jaden Daniels, and he could go out there and win LSU nine games, right? If everything were to work itself out, you could see LSU obviously, you know, take that next step. And you and T Bob are going to talk more about all the other positions and stuff, but the general public wants to know who the quarterback is going to be. And Jaden Daniels is more than likely going to be the QB one. So we'll see how it works out, but his dual threat abilities certainly helped him win this job. Got to think an announcement's coming in the next couple of days, though, right? I wouldn't think you would. I mean, are they really going to go up to kickoff against Florida State and be like, we don't know who the quarterback is? No, but I do think Nuss, and I know this is, like, time sensitive, I do think the last scrimmage, Nuss not participating in that last scrimmage, I do think just based on what I've heard, LSU is very interested in seeing Nuss scrimmage with this group because what's very interesting is true freshman tight end Mason Taylor is starting to emerge and a big facet of the Notre Dame and Cincinnati offenses over this past, you know, 
four years at Cincinnati and these past decade at Notre Dame has been the tight end position. And now Mason Taylor is probably the most talented tight end in the room. It wasn't a deep room to begin with. And it does change things up for what LSU wants to do offensively now that they're getting to see Mason Taylor. Is he going to be good? I don't know. I don't think he's going to be Brock Bowers, but I think he's going to be decent as a true freshman if he does end up playing a lot. But we'll, we'll, we'll see how that looks, and I do think they want to see Nuss. But as of right now, I do think Jaden Daniels is going to be that guy. He is Carter Bryant. You can follow him on Twitter at CarterThePower. And, of course, the show Power Hour LSU on YouTube. Easiest way to find you there, Carter. Thanks so much for the time, man. Always appreciate you stopping by. We'll talk soon, Gordy. All right, there he goes. That is Carter Bryant of Power Hour LSU. Appreciate him stopping by. Real quick before we uh, wrap up this segment, the preseason AP poll is out. And just taking a quick look at the teams, not too much difference from the coaches poll we just saw come out a week ago, but we now have the two biggest preseason polls out there. Coaches poll a week ago, now the AP poll out, Alabama preseason number one, Ohio State number two, just like a lot of people had, Georgia number three, and then uh, rounding it out, you've got Texas A&M coming in at number six, and then no SEC teams, you got to go all the way down to number 19, or you find Arkansas, Kentucky coming in at number 20, Ole Miss at number 21. So very similar to the coaches poll, just a couple of spots kind of flip-flop moved around here. But again, no Florida, no Auburn, no LSU, kind of a, an unusual thing. We're used to seeing those schools in these rankings. Uh, Mississippi State was also getting some votes as well, but that's where we are. It's Alabama, Georgia, A&M, Arkansas, Kentucky, Ole Miss, all in the AP poll top 25 preseason poll. So uh, that is doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot, but it gets people talking and gets people excited. And certainly got to be excited if you're an Arkansas, Kentucky, or Ole Miss fan, seeing your team ranked in the preseason top 25, higher expectations this year in all of those places. So coming up next, we're going to talk all things LSU, continue our conversation with T-Bob Bear of uh, 104.5 ESPN and Baton Rouge. We'll also in segment two with T-Bob get into some bigger picture SEC stuff with him as well. So plenty to discuss here on Locked on SEC you don't want to miss. Thank you guys again for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Uh, first, need to remind you about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. You can find all your favorite sports and events at, and the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. It is BetOnline. Find reviews and news of every league. They got you covered from... Uh, the NFL, they got tons of preseason game lines. If you're into the, uh, making a little interesting bets on that, they got golf, they got combat sports, they got everything. Bet online continues to be your top online resource for all your sports wagering information. They got tons of college football stuff coming in the next couple of weeks. Everything from Heisman odds, uh, odds to win the conferences, game lines are coming very soon as well. Head on over to Bet Online today. You can do so on your mobile device. Learn more about all the action happening today is Bet Online. It is where the game starts. We're along on the show here, and as we start to look ahead to the college football season, we look ahead to 
all the different teams playing in the SEC. And one of the teams that, man, it's so funny. People are all over the spectrum on when it comes to the LSU Tigers. You know, are they going to are they going to go six and six? Are they going to win nine games? It's uh, it's crazy. Everything is, is all over the place. And join us now to talk a little bit about it is our buddy T-Bob Bear, former LSU Tiger. He's on 104.5 ESPN in Baton Rouge. To Bob, what's up? Chris, what up, dude? Uh, another man feeling pretty good. Uh, let's talk a little bit about it. We heard from Brian Kelly. We heard from some of the LSU yeah. players this week. Um, just total uh, impression so far of Brian Kelly and what he's been doing since he's got to Baton Rouge. Uh, I mean, I think it's been A-plus, dude. I mean, I look, I think LSU is very interesting because... As you said, uh, people are all over the spectrum. They don't know exactly what to expect. Uh, I do think it's a bit interesting that you have a Texas team that is preseason top 25, and you have a team like USC, which is preseason top 25. And, you know, I'm talking about teams that were bad last year that were right. giving the benefit of the doubt, right? Yeah. And I'm like, well, why isn't LSU in there, right? And it's like, oh, well, they added Lincoln Riley. It's like, hey, well, LSU added <laughs> – the literal winningest active coach in all of college football, right? Right. And so, um, but I get, I mean, but, but look, I think there's Is it an the element. quarterback thing? Well, I think, look, yeah, so I was going to say, that there are question marks, right? The O-line has a lot of experience, but I don't know how talented the O-line's going to be, even though they have a lot of guys who have been in battles before. You're going to have a freshman left tackle. You don't know who the quarterback's going to be. And also, I think a lot of people were burned by giving LSU the benefit of the doubt the last two years, right? Yeah. And it's an old, like, Fool me once, fool me twice. You ain't gonna get me again, right? And so I think I think it's kind of all of these factors. But my biggest takeaway from this week has been um, that because I, you know I never know where my inherent bias begins or ends, right? <laughs> and so it's tough to uh, try to remain objective, or even when you think you're being objective. And to me, when I hear Clark Lee give the comment he did on Brian Kelly where he talks about working for him and how empowered he was as a young coach underneath him and how much respect he has for him and, 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 and how he handles and runs a program. And then I'm talking to David Cutcliffe, and he's talking about how in Brian Kelly, you know, you have someone who is, quite frankly, just the, the, the best coach that you've had since Nick Saban and just, just a guy who truly knows how to win. And it's like, I don't know what else you will be this year. I'm at eight and four, which is very chalky and boring. Um, but I do know that long term, or I would almost guarantee that LSU is going to be uh, championship relevant year in and year out. Like, I think Brian Kelly is going to be a massive success at LSU. It is interesting. Um, you know, we talk about all his great teams at Notre Dame. And I always tell people, you know, look, it's not like the guys before him were winning 10 games a year at Notre Dame. Like, he's did something there that yeah. a lot of coaches had, had not done yes. in the history of Notre Dame. So, uh, But he gets a different breed of athlete at LSU. Louisiana is the – it's the premier school of Louisiana. Louisiana cranks out NFL-caliber talent yep. every year, and now he gets to keep that talent in state. Yeah, Notre Dame's a little bit stronger academically. The standards are no. a little bit harder to, to keep what? up. At no LSU, way. it's, you know. Oh, no, no, see, now that's my bias. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, no, yes, yes, obviously. Yeah, bro, come on. No one's, uh, no one's going to LSU for the academics. The old Cardell Jones line, I came here to play football. I didn't come here to play school, man. Um, but, but, no, yes, yeah, I mean, there's no greater commentary on what you're talking about than just the move that Brian Kelly made, okay? Who knows Notre Dame better than Brian Kelly, right? Not very many human beings on earth know college football better than Brian Kelly. 
They say actions speak louder than words. He left a playoff-adjacent Notre Dame team for a 6-7 and seven LSU team with 39 scholarship players in a conference that features uh, Kirby Smart and Nick Saban. Yeah. Like, that tells you everything that he feels about the perceived ceiling at Notre Dame and the perceived potential of LSU. And so I would say that his opinion in that matter carries quite a lot of weight with me. And so, yeah, man, you know, he has everything else. He's got a Division II national championships. He's won everywhere he's been. Like I said, winning his active coach, the one thing he does not have in that resume is that national championship. And so this is his kind of push the chips to the center of the table move, like I'm going for it. Left Notre Dame willingly as the winningest coach in their school history. It's crazy. Um, but look, he's, like you said, he's all in. He's taking a chance. And they paid him well. You know, the money doesn't Yo, hurt. That never um, hurts. That never hurts. <laughs> but I mean, but, 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 but you're going to get, I mean, yes. Like I, want, I do want to be clear about that. Job street, 10 years, $100 million. Unbelievable. Right. Um, and, and Scott Woodward, even but but even more than the money, right, because he was already making great money at Notre Dame and everything. And even more than that, I think it, it's also Scott Woodward just basically saying, like, look, I will be fully behind you no matter what. And you will have carte blanche to do whatever you need to do. And if you need money, we'll get money. Right. That's <laughs> why they paid Cortez Hankton right. to bring him back home from Georgia. Right. Like he Scott Woodward, he wants with, with, when you look at how Scott Woodward uh, rolls with his hires, he wants to make sure that they have no excuses from a resources standpoint, right? Sure. They're like, we will get whatever you need to hire whoever need. You just have to win. And I think when you look at Kelly Dredman, I think you do that. So, yeah, the money doesn't hurt uh, at all, certainly. <laughs> Continue our conversation with T-Bob Bear of 104.5 ESPN in Baton Rouge, a former LSU Tiger himself. And uh, let's talk a little bit of big picture here, uh, T-Bob, on the SEC. Look, Alabama is the favorite in the West. Georgia is the favorite in the East. It's duh, right? They just play for a championship. They both bring back a ton of talent. Give me a team in the West. If it's not Alabama and Atlanta, who is it? Um, I mean, so we just talked about this, dude. It's an impossible question. Or it's not an impossible question. We framed it in like, what's more likely to happen? Alabama not winning the West or Georgia not winning the East? And the thing about that is why it's so hard to answer is because it's illogical. Like, there's no, there's just, it, it, like, it would require powers of insight and foresight that we just don't have. Like, like what narrative can you craft yeah. to have Alabama with Bryce Young and Will Anderson losing the SEC West when everybody else has massive question marks? I mean, we know Texas A&M has talent, but they're not sitting on a quarterback. They're placing a huge defensive line. I mean, last year they beat Alabama and went eight and four, so they've given you plenty of reasons to doubt belief in them, right? right. Um, on the eastern side of things, yeah, maybe Georgia slips up and drops a game, but do you think nobody else on that side is not going to drop two games? Like it's right, just that's the tough part. I, I just, I just, I just don't see it, Chris. I mean, I guess if you, it, it's like the question Kublik posed that I feel like has been making the rounds. You know, who's the third best team in the SEC? It's 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 very tough to answer because everybody feels really similar in a lot of ways. So. Who is your third best team? I, I bounce back and forth, dude. I, 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 I've heard you know, Tennessee. I've heard Kentucky. I've heard Arkansas. I've heard A and M. I've heard I lazily, Ole Miss. I say I, w I would say I lazily just kind of throw A and M out there, yeah. and I don't have any great like roster <laughs> reasons why. I, I mean, look, you, you know that A and M's recruited very well, so you know they have a lot of talent. Uh, and Jimbo Fisher has won before, right? right. And uh, regardless of how we want to snipe him here recently, 
his quarterback track record is pretty unbelievable. Like yeah. last year was the exception, not the rule, when it comes to quarterback play under Jimbo Fisher. Right. So, I mean, if you got talent and you can create a good quarterback, you know, you, you should be good. So, so that would still be my third best team, even though I hate answering that. <laughs> and I would say, I guess, if anybody in the West was going to do it, it would be them. I mean, okay. I really like Arkansas. I just think Arkansas' schedule is absolutely brutal. Yeah. I think Ole Miss is interesting. In we have no idea. They're a wild card. Like, yeah. They have so many transfer portal pieces. Yes. It could be a disaster and none of these players work out. It could be... Man, they nail it on all of them. And, and Lane's won a lot of games lately, dude. Yes. I mean, he has proven to be a consistent winner here in his later coaching career. So Ole Miss is probably being undervalued a bit, I would say. It feels like at times Lane doesn't want to be there, and he's sniffing around looking at other jobs. But then when he doesn't get another job, okay, let me just focus on Ole Miss, and then they start winning games. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like I don't, kind of one foot in, one foot out the door, but while I'm here, I'm going to focus and win well, some games. Well, in the conversation on perceived ceilings, right, um, it's got to be tough to be the Ole Miss head coach, especially nowadays. Now, now they, they do have resources, but, I mean, it's tough, man. Imagine being a coach nowadays and you're trying to recruit against the war chest of an Alabama right. or an A&M or, like, John Ruiz in Miami and stuff. It's just... You gotta feel like you're just at um, you're you're at a literal inherent disadvantage. It is not equal. Let me hit you with a, a couple quick hitters here. When you were playing, what was uh, what environment was like the the worst env- road environment? The swamp. You ever the swamp, swamp was awesome. Yeah, man. Because they build it straight up, so all that sound stays in, and the crowds ride on top of you, and they just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And talk. <laughs> what was your record in the swamp? Uh, one on one. My. Okay. Um, my, my first time there, we got our ass kicked. Uh, like, Brandon Spikes punted a ball into the stands after you've had a pick six. And I'll never forget this. Or I guess I did forget it. I got knocked out on a kick return Wow! Uh, with four minutes left in the game. I don't have a memory until God. I was sitting on a knee at the 50-yard line with the Florida team wow. after the game, dude. And oh I came gosh. to, and I was like, uh, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> But then, the next time we went, this is probably my favorite win ever in my, my football playing life. Um, we went into Florida and won on the Terrence Tolliver last second fade touchdown. Oh, that's right, and yep. uh, the first thing I did was run out to that F and just stomp on it because they had stomped <laughs> on the Tiger Eye uh, the year before. One other one for you. If T-Bob was playing today, what, uh, what NIL deals would you have? Oh, man, dude. I would have just hoped to get a gaming PC. That's all I would want to. <laughs> So, like, Alienware, Razor, something like that, wanted to sponsor me. That would have been my number one goal. Wow. Would have been to get a, a, a war machine game. I forget how PC. nerdy you are sometimes. Yeah, that would have been my NIL stuff. <laughs> you know, and then I, I go with all the old O-Lyman tropes, right? Like, you yeah. know, any burger companies, anything like a barbecue joints, I'd be down for all of that. Tacos. Right. One more. What's, uh, what's, the, what's the best thing you've watched recently? Streaming, movie, TV series, okay. whatever. So, everything, everywhere, all at once. Okay, yeah, yeah. movie that absolutely blew me away. Now, I had no level of expectation entering it. I just heard heard somebody told me, like, it's a good movie. And we were like, oh, it's a good movie time, whatever. Um, It was a top five movie of all time. Is it like Eternal Sunshine, kind of like weird? It's, 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 um, I don't want to give anything away. It is, it's, no, it's, yeah, okay. So it's, it's kind of like a multiverse film in a lot of way. Um, Multiverse, so hot right now. But (laughs) it is... It's one of those things, one of those pieces of art that is so creative 
that you almost feel like it's intimidating in its creativity. You're like, how could a human being sit down and write this and then <laughs> film it and create it? And I know that I will never do anything that will even sniff a, a, you know, a, a percentage of this greatness. And I laughed. I cried. I laughed. It made some of the most ridiculous settings you can imagine incredibly grounded and heartfelt. Like, it was... it really connected to me. Quite an endorsement of that movie. Now I'm going to have to go home and, uh, and watch that. He is the great T-Bob Bear, 104.5 ESPN in Baton Rouge. T-Bob, thanks for the time, man. Hi, Chris. Take it easy, man. Have a good day. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. Again, uh, today was our LSU-focused centric uh, show, and rightfully so, kind of worked in with all the quarterback news coming out of Baton Rouge. But coming up in the next couple of days, we're going to continue to go around the conference. Uh, we're going to preview Kentucky later this week. We're going to t- preview uh, Tennessee. We're going to preview Georgia with West Blankenship. So we got a ton of stuff coming the rest of this week, getting into previewing some more of the teams as we start to get you ready for the start of the SEC season. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked on SEC. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen. Check out some of our other great podcasts. Whoever you're a fan of in the SEC, we got you covered. Just search Locked on and that school's name, and you'll find uh, the school that you were looking for wherever you get your podcast. I'm Chris Gordy. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Back here five days a week talking all things SEC football. Talk to you guys tomorrow.